Good evening or good morning, depending on where you are, to, uh, and welcome to episode 174 of the Ask the Coach Show, where Ping Skills helps you improve your table tennis. Bus 174 is a 2002 Brazilian documentary about a Rio de Janeiro bus hijacking. And in episode 174 of the Ask the Coach Show, we're going to talk about the Men's World Cup, which finished over the weekend. And we'll be announcing the winner of our competition. In the questions, we're going to talk about prioritizing your training, the position of the elbow when serving, improving reactions, and getting more top spin. I'm Jeff Plum, and as always, Super Coach Alois Rosario is here with me to answer your questions. Welcome, Alois. Uh, thank you, Jeffrey. Yes, and uh, sounds like an exciting show. And um... And Jeffrey, uh, yeah, just having a look at the uh, results from the World Cup that we that was just finished. Uh, very interesting. Yes, what an exciting weekend of table tennis. What happened? Well, I suppose interesting in so far as Ma Long now has put a stamp on his authority. He uh, he absolutely cleaned up at the World Cup. Um, so in the uh, in the semis, beat uh, Ovcharov 4-zip, but it was the way that he won. Uh, so Ovcharov won 17 points in four sets. So that wow. is... That's, that's less than the um, qualifier who um, played him in our competition. Absolutely. That's right. Omar Omar Assar in the first round uh, got a game, got uh, 12 points in the first game. So, yeah, so Marlong obviously really worked himself into the tournament. Um, beating Ovcharov there and then in the final um, came up against Fan Zendong. So in the semis, Fan Zendong beat uh, Mizutani 4-1. And uh, once again in the final, Ma Long dominant. So 11-7, 11-6, 11-8, 11-8. So four zip. Um, And, you know, for me, looking forward to uh, next year's Olympics, you know, Fan Zendong is certainly one of the real threats that I thought to Ma Long, but gee, that is devastating. Um, you know, Ma Long is just telling the world that uh, he is numero uno. There you go. Very good. Um, and, you know, Ma Long, he seems like a really likeable character. Um, you know, good to see him getting some success. Yeah, nice, good personality. And uh, yes, it, it is nice. You know, he, he was sort of... Um, the bridesmaid for a long time, wasn't he, to Zhang Zikur? And um, so, yeah, now he's sort of coming to his own. And I think, you know, winning the World Championships, you know, in that big battle, um, I think has really just increased his confidence and he now knows and feels like he is the best player in the world. So, um, so on his way to a Grand Slam, you know, the World Championships, World Cup and the next one, Olympics 2016. All right, can he do it? And um, we, as I mentioned just earlier, we had a competition going. Alois giving away a free quarterly membership. Uh, can we announce the winner here right now? Oh, absolutely! And the winner is Manjunath. And um, you know, guys, you weren't really close. No one was really close, and not surprisingly, because um, because Omar Assar in the first round actually, as I said, took the first game from um, Ma Long. So he ended up with 41 points. Um, Manjanath actually won with a guess of 31, but he was the closest because he was the highest. So, um, so yeah, a little bit of a surprise. But 
you know, this, that often happens in a tournament situation <clears throat> where the qualifiers come through. They've played, um, you know, two or three really tough matches, um, battled their way through and got through, and the uh, the seeds that are already in the main draw sort of come in cold. I mean, you know, you know, they practiced and all that sort of stuff, but it's still not the same as playing that playing those matches and those sort of results do often happen um, in the first round with, uh, you know, the, the qualifier coming through, warmed up, really into the tournament. And, uh, and I mean, I suppose surprised Ma Long by just taking a game. Yes, indeed. There you go. All right. Well, that wraps up the Men's World Cup results. Um, I hope you watched it on um, ITTV. Um, it's always good to watch the top players play. So check it out. Still- oh, you yeah. get go. Yeah, you can still go back and watch it. It's still, uh, still on ITTV, so you can go back and uh, watch all those matches, which uh, you really should. It's uh, it's sensational table tennis. So just just get on there and and see what is possible in the game and see what the best players do. It's um, it's so beneficial for developing your own game. Absolutely. Now, the last pink skillers question of the day was. How many times have you hit an around-the-net shot? Now, I don't think I posted this one on Facebook, so we missed out on a lot of comments there, Alois. But did anyone comment on our blog? Yeah, Gene uh, uh, commented. So he said, um, since I don't put enough side spin to do around-the-net shot without being wide away from the table, I don't do them often. Uh, what can happen to is to do one while fishing the ball on the side of the table and close to the net on a short diagonal serve or on a net rolling ball in a rally. It's fun to try to bring the ball just over the table edge and make it bounce as little as possible. All in all, I don't know, maybe 10 in a year. 10 is a lot though, Gene. You know, like yeah, 10's, 10's a lot. lot. Yeah. Um, I didn't hit a lot of around the net shots, but when you do, it's pretty exciting. Um, what <laughs> about you, Alois, being the left-hander? and Yeah, i I suppose more opportunity for the left-handers because the uh, the right-handers do push you out wide on your forehand a bit. And I always had a little bit of a hooky um, forehand as well. So, yeah, I mean, you know, not not doing one one uh, one a game or anything. But, um, but uh, yeah, I mean, you could uh, – did have the opportunity to do a few. Yes, I thought you would like um, that shot. Yeah, and um, and – on the blog as well, Gene's also commented about uh, Thorsten Schwinn, who who we got you to have a look at in the last show. Uh, Thorsten with uh, one leg and a crutch playing in the Para European Championships. Uh, incredible to watch if you haven't seen him. And uh, he said, I guess if he hadn't already learned to play before losing his right leg, he probably would have chosen to become a left-hander. Because so he's got um, the he's got his right leg and his left, and he play, plays. Um, plays right-handed, so it's, um, yeah, a little bit awkward, but, yeah, you really should see how much uh, stress is on that um, right leg of his. Yeah, so um, go to our blog, pingseals.com, look at episode 174 of the Ask the Coach show, and there was a link there of a video of him playing. Absolutely incredible. All right, the Pingseals question of the day is, who can break the Chinese domination? Again, you know, Ma Long versus Fancy Dong in the final of the World Cup. They just seem to rule table tennis. So jump on our Facebook page and answer that question or jump on our blog and let us know your thoughts. 
All right, Alois. Now, what happened on this day in history? But before you tell us, I need to apologise to you. It seems you were right about the Macintosh. You've had a few people um, give you some support and say, yes, it is a raincoat. So I guess you were right and I was wrong. Yeah, I'm glad you admit it, Jeffrey. Yeah, the Macintosh. Everyone knows the Macintosh. <laughs> 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 All right. So, so um, what happened on uh, this day, Monday? On this day, or exciting. not Monday, just the nineteenth of October. Yes, exciting indeed. The largest single piece of reef gold ever discovered in the world found in Australia. And give me, give me a guess on the number of kilos, Jeffrey. Give me a guess, number of kilos. This piece of gold, the largest ever. I'm reef. no good. Gold, I'm thinking gold's valuable, so maybe it's not that big. Uh, 24. 24 kilos. 286 kilos. That's a lot of gold. Imagine what that would be worth today. Oh, my goodness. No wonder there was a gold rush in Australia. Wow. I might go digging after the show. All right, good idea. So um, if he doesn't answer your questions for a little while, you know where he is, out digging for gold. (laughs) That's it. (laughs) All right, well, let's get into the questions while we've got him here still. Um, First up, Ilya says, I'm used to doing a lot of footwork in my training, but when I face better players, I lose mostly due to my sloppy receive and the third and fourth ball attack skills. So is it a good idea to abandon footwork for a while and dedicate 100% of the time to serve and receiving drills. Yeah, I think it, it, it's, it's always a balance. You know, like if you haven't got good footwork, then you need to work on it. Um, and especially initially, you need, to, you need to work on those all those basic skills. But <laughs> once you have them, and especially when you're coming up closer to a tournament it's important to focus more on the serve and the return of serve because, as you said, that's the critical part that gets you into the rally and wins you points. So so I think a lot of players spend too much time on just the open game and practising footwork and, and you know, loop to loop and those sort of things and forget about the real crux of the game and that is the serve and the return of serve and, and how effective you are there often determines your results. So, uh, yeah, spend more time, especially if you feel like that's where you're losing points in tournaments or in games. Spend more time on that specific area. It is important in the game, in the match situation. Great advice. And for our premium members, check out Training Secrets Revealed. We go through all sorts of drills and particularly um, match-like drills, which will help you um, with your serve and receive. And, and Alice also talks more there about, you know, prioritising your training um, depending on the time of year and depending on your game. So, yeah, go for it, um, Ilya. Get some more um, practice time in on those skills, receiving and serving. It's definitely a good idea. Next up, Eugene asks, what is the serving elbow position? Should I lock my elbow in the same position throughout the serve? Because I have it, I have a habit of lifting my arm up as I toss the ball up. 
Yeah. So uh, during the actual strike of the serve, it is uh, pretty important just to keep the elbow fairly stable. So you don't want it swinging through. So let's think about the pendulum serve. So you don't want the elbow swinging through at the same time as your arm. You want to have that fairly stable and then really whip through with the wrist. The wrist and the forearm is where you're getting most of your action and most of your spin. And that'll be the same with the tomahawk. So it's here and then it's this. So as you can see, the elbow not moving very much or the backhand serve, it's this, it's this. So, um, so yeah, especially as you advance in the uh, game, the elbow doesn't really help or, sorry, the elbow doesn't really move a lot with your service. It's more in the wrist and the forearm and really bringing that through in that full action that we, we talk about in Serving Secrets. Yeah, and I guess the reason for that, Alloys, is that if you're moving your elbow, the swing becomes really big and it's harder to control. And if you just get your forearm and your wrist moving quickly, you can still generate a lot of speed, um, which you need to generate a lot of spin. That's right, exactly. So that's uh, yeah, that's that's a good uh, good point, Jeff. So just keeping that elbow still and really ripping through with that. Um, wrist and forearm that bat's moving really fast as you can see like from here to there the bat's moving really fast from there to there so so if you're making good contact um with the bat on the ball at the same time generate lots and lots of spin great all right um thanks for the question eugene keep working on your serve such an important part of table tennis all right suzakan says how do i improve my body reaction faster to hit the ball and make my eye catch up to the ball. Yeah. So Sudakan, um, the first thing is that your eyes shouldn't be catching up to the ball. The eye should be tracking the ball all the time. So from the moment that your, uh, that your opponent has the ball in their hand, you want to be really focused on that ball and then watching it, watching it, watching it as closely as you can all the way through. Similarly, if you're serving, watch the ball here and follow it through from there. So that's the first thing. As far as your reactions, it's more about how well you track the ball and allowing yourself to just face the ball all the time. If you're not tracking the ball, or trying to guess or, you know, uh, work out where your opponent's going to hit the ball to. It's no good. Like, they can do whatever they want. So from here, if I hit the ball here now, as the ball's coming through, the ball can still go wherever I want it to. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. So I can do a whole lot of things at the very last second. So... It's important then to just watch what the ball is doing. If you're doing that, then you'll be tracking the ball well. You'll be able to react a little bit faster. That's where you get your real win with the reaction time, not by some sort of magical formula. Yet yeah, watch that ball. Yeah, yeah, great advice. I find this topic really interesting, and we've mentioned this on the show before, Alois, but re pure reaction time is not always a good indicator of your reaction time in a game of table tennis. And what I mean by that is, you know, sometimes people do those reaction tests where you wait for a light to show and then you react. And people that do well on that aren't always the people that you'd expect to have the best reactions in table tennis. And there's been a lot of studies done on this. And generally it's because 
the, the people that are good at table tennis and fast at reacting to table tennis have played so much, they've got a lot of experience and they've been really good at tracking the ball, but then they also pick up cues of what the opponent's done because they track the ball so well and can, you know, get a fraction of a second more time than someone who doesn't track the ball as well. So, you know, good advice, Alois. Keep tracking that ball and that's what's going to improve your reactions. Yeah, indeed. All righty. Next question is from Il, who says, I have a problem with getting more topspin instead of sidespin topspin. I don't know how to brush the ball on the contact with the wrist, with the straight line or closed or the rounded contact. Can you help Il out here, Alloys? Yeah, so it's really important to get that straight line. So if you're if you're making your topspin, that you need to come forward on that ball and hitting right behind the ball. As soon as you turn your bat it's a little bit hard to see there in 2d but as soon as you turn your bat a little bit this way or a little bit that way you're you're going to start to get a little bit of side spin on the ball okay so now you're coming around that that, this is the extreme example so if you really curve your hand in you're going to get side spin but what you really want for your stock stroke is to come right behind the ball so i'm right there push right behind the ball and spin over the top. Why is pure topspin so important? It's because if you're trying to hit the ball really fast, you want that ball dipping quickly. So if the ball's dipping quickly down onto the table, then you can hit it harder. If it's not dipping quickly enough, then it's going to sail off the end of the table. So that's why you want that pure topspin so it comes down and lands on the table. And that is achieved by having a nice straight line contact with the bat on the ball. Yep, indeed. And if you want to see some good examples of, you know, fast top spins, go to ITTF and watch the um, recent World Cup, as we mentioned earlier in the show. Great top spin forehands there, that's for sure. And, of course, I'll put a link in the show to our video on the forehand top spin so you can see exactly the correct techniques, the right start and finish position to make sure you're doing the shot correctly. Um, now, Ilya's jumped on using the Google Q&A app and asked us another question. And, of course, anyone can ask us a question by just going to our Google Plus page. And the question is, does the sponge hardness affect the amount of spin you can generate on the serve? And what gives more spin, soft or hard sponge? Um, yeah, they're just different. So you can get a lot of spin with a hard sponge with a tacky surface, or you can get a lot of spin with a softer sponge. Um, yeah, so it's just um, it's just a matter of the actual quality of the the rubber and the sponge that you're using. So um, one's not better than the other. So hard or soft is not better than the other. It's your personal preference and and the feel. And you can you can generate just as much spin with a softer, good quality um, sponge as you can with a hard, good quality sponge. So, um, yeah, there there's no uh, there's no one or the other. It's just a matter of what you prefer. Excellent. All right. Hopefully that helps you out, Ilya. Thank you for the question. That wraps up episode 174 of the Ask the Coach Show. You can watch this on our Facebook page. You can watch it on our blog or you can listen to it as an audio podcast. And um, the best way to find out about the audio podcast is just go to our blog 
and look at the Ask the Coach section and you'll see a link to the iTunes feed or the RSS feed. Thank you, everyone, for watching and thank you, Alloys. Thanks, Jeffrey, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow. See you, everyone. Bye.